Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. This is the final episode of 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back. I'm Mike Nelson. Hey, what's up? Connor here. Uh, you know, we stop for the live show that we're doing. That's coming up. Yeah, well, this, right? this, this, you know, not everyone who listens to the podcast can, I think, fit into that uh, small theater. So some people will not, uh, this will be their final episode. Right. Well, we're recording that, aren't we? Oh, God. Yes. Okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> yes. Right. We're doing a live show on uh, April 11th at Sisyphus Brewing in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I can promise you, if you do come, if you've been afraid of coming to Minnesota, April is the best time. The snow is fresh and crisp, <laughs> and uh, yeah. the air has that bite in it that I think will make you happy. The Twins outfielders are slogging through the ankle-deep drifts in the uh, in the outfield as they try to track down a fly ball during opening day. I was telling Connor, this is a. I was looking it up because uh, we are going to see some baseball when he is in town. And uh, in in the year of 1964, it did not get over 50 degrees until late in April. <laughs> so every day up until that point had been below 50 degrees, and that's baseball weather if I ever saw it. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, that was genuine confusion there. I was like, we are doing this, right? Like, I feel like we've Oh, you were genuinely... Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a bit. Should we, should we restart this? All right. <laughs> that was a good bit then. I, I yeah, like that. Great yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. The actual panic. That's uh, what you want in your comedy. <laughs> I, I was just counting this as a, a slightly separate thing. Also, I, I yeah. probably lied in that we will do another... Um... <laughs> Lots of confusion. <laughs> yeah, my, my premise was so off the mark. Uh, we might do one where we allow our detractors to mm -hmm. uh, pile on us, which I think should yeah. be fun. So that, But that's kind of TBD because of uh, the people involved. So Schedules, we'll yes. All right. Well, yeah, come and see us in Minneapolis. It'll be really fun. We'll have a lot to talk about. And uh, now that we've said all that, this is the <laughs> podcast where we talk about uh, the works of Ernest Klein. We have gone through Ready Player One, of course, and we are in the middle of Armada. And I know you've read every single word. And this is it. Uh, we've read everything. Yeah, yeah he, this is the final, like, four chapters in an epilogue. He really sort of wraps it up. Um, you know, we, we've uh, had our issues with the book but I think, you know, we'll see whether he's able to to pull this off, to wrap it up in a neat little package to make it all worth the journey that happens here. So, I mean, and that's kind of what does happen. And um, yeah. <laughs> yep. So this has been a lot of fun, thanks, Connor. Thanks I for really... joining us, folks. Yeah, this has been really cool. Um, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for emailing. Um, we really appreciate it. Yep. It's, Roll been, the a, music. it's been a great time. Good. So long. <laughs> All right. Ah, that's our second <laughs> that's, that's, gag of the show. That's pretty good. That was the one we planned. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's not our episode. But if uh, if we were following the pacing of the final chapters of Armada, that's how it much pretty would have gone, folks. So, um, yeah, it is abrupt. And then the chapters um, are tiny and rushed. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm not complaining about tiny chapters at this point. but No, it's but it's stunning. The way that this played out, I think, just the the way that he was sort of building that there's something happening. And then the things that he devotes a page or two, sometimes a sentence or two, the things that are accomplished in a sentence in the final pages of this book are amazing. Oh, shocking. Just <laughs> absolutely could, shocking. Could not a joke be if this happened, you could probably make that the book. And <laughs> and they sort of get passed over uh, with the wave of a hand. It's really incredible. Um 
it sort of made me it, obviously this journey is not worth it from any sort of sense other than that you're 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 laughing at these books but that sort of was a nice nice cherry on the sunday i think for for this to be the way that he just sort of dashed this off and and uh jetted off to you know party with harry knowles or something at the austin draft house Ooh, I wonder what those parties look like. <laughs> I'd like to get a, a T-shirt of that. Um, yeah, there's a, a note that I have later. There's a single sentence, and I, I just had circled and said, like, why isn't this the whole book? Everything before this should have just been, uh, you know, a hastily done prologue, and then this, whatever he's talking about there, we'll get to it. It's just like, this is yeah. the book. I mean, this is, this, stuff, <laughs> this is stuff to dive into, and this is the interesting stuff. Right. Well, before that, though, before the uh, before the real uh, the real rushing started, I don't even know what to compare it to, because, you know, we've always used the uh, the presentation analogy of him sort of making it up as he goes and repeating himself. But this is more of like a a dad making up a bedtime story and then just like figuring out the end, you know, once his kid has fallen asleep, like, okay, well, the princess they married, like, (laughs) good night. Exactly. yeah, it's just uh, he's out the door. He got a call, something, you know, his his pager went off or something and he had to go do heart surgery because it's just amazing. <laughs> right. It's suddenly the, the, the it moves forward in a way that I actually was saying, oh, well, this obviously isn't the ending. This is like some weird fake. But then I'm looking at the pages left going, well, I don't know. <laughs> Right. How is this only... going any way going to be satisfying where he does a double <laughs> twist? But no, it's, it's just, yeah, the the these events that are absolutely momentous pass by in the blink of an eye yeah i've had this experience before um and i was so i've been reading this one paperback obviously but sometimes if you read a book on a kindle for example this one has you know several you know 25 pages of ready player one at the end so if you're reading on a kindle it shows this progress bar and sometimes you get to a book uh i can't remember what would have happened but it has footnotes at the end or it has that at the end and you think that you're like at 80 percent, and then the book ends and so I really think that if you had been reading this, that experience could have possibly happened where like this isn't the actual ending. Like clearly there's there's you know 20 percent left in this book and then it turns to epilogue and you're like, holy shit. Right. I was reading a tough book recently on the Kindle that I hadn't picked up in a while. And it was the book that opened up to me and it was really hard and a little bit scholarly. And I looked at it and I was four percent of the way through and I thought I had been slogging through this thing forever and it turns out I had, I was reading it out of the complete works of someone. Oh, wow. So it, it was wow. very, very disorienting. I'm like, man, I'm an idiot. Well, uh, let's uh, pick up where we left off. He's, uh, they've just destroyed the dodecahedron disruptor, Black Betty, uh, old Tom Joad uh, <laughs> thing. Uh, um, and so he's trying to retrieve his father, uh, who is, his ship is sunk below. The, they're both below the surface of the Antarctic Sea right now. And it starts off, he's able to track his father down because for not the first time and certainly not the last time, uh, Lex has employed a hack into his uh, communication system that allows him to track down his father. This particular one uh, works by touching the screen several times, things like the uh, Contra code from uh, Nintendo, which is <laughs> not necessarily how hacks work. But I thought it was... We're going to get a lot of hacks. So it's essentially anytime something is going to need to happen, Lex is going to be able to hack it within the matter of, you know, it takes a sentence that says Lex hacked it. Lex employed some computer wizardry. And uh, I just thought it was, it was, you know, for apropos of nothing, the word hack shows up five times in these final chapters. Yeah, I felt like uh, less a hack and more like she 
pay the two ninety nine for the pro version and that unlocked <laughs> yeah. the ability to find someone yeah. else. That does, I, I don't understand why that was locked out. Of the, right. Of yes, the exactly. Other. I have one right away because I this just stuck. I think it's the first sentence or very close to the top of the uh, of the chapter twenty two. He says, once I'd stopped screaming, I maneuvered oh, yeah. <laughs> my inceptor around his pod and activated its retrieval arm. My first thought was, you know, once you noticed yourself stopping screaming. Well, of course, yes. <laughs> but I also wondered how, he, he goes to great pains to tell us, I screamed for what seemed like a minute. Or, you know, he, in other places, right. he gives me the, the period of time. And we often laugh about, imagine that, sitting there and giggling for a full minute. or <laughs> right. Listening this, to them he, talk about their show stoned for yeah, several minutes. He leaves us hanging here. And I just wondered how long that scream lasted. Yeah, I mean, it was like Pee Wee Herman. Like, it, it actually is going on for... Because it's a surprising image that caught him. You know, it's not like, <laughs> yeah, so that struck me as very funny. Just Yeah, I wish take... he'd have added, I screamed like Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off when he discovered <laughs> the mileage on his dad's car. <laughs> he's taking breaths to like, you know, the cartoon character, <laughs> like right. looking at his watch. Yeah, so he's, uh, he's he retrieves his father and I, I guess, I guess they had, they had flown from the moon. So these things can haul at a pretty good clip, but he decides not to take him to, uh, the southernmost point of Chile to drop him off. He's going to drive him all the way back to Portland. And I guess that's something that these machines can do. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> but he, uh, he flies back to, uh, to Beaverton. And he, he, I, the thing that struck me was that he says that the, the whole city looked like a scene out of deep impact or world war Z. Those, Two movies that I can't go a day without hearing someone compare something in our in our daily life to, but uh, it did make me happy that the uh, you know World War Z was not something I'd thought about for for many years, and you know so that that sort of zombie zombie boom that guy has probably gone the way of maybe the way that this guy will be in three or four years from now, where that's not something we have to think or hear about unless we're reading another bad book. That's right. Um, right after that sentence is this one. Every street, road, and highway leading out of Portland was clogged with all manner of vehicles, none of them moving. And I, I just, it made me sad for those, the cars carrying goods and services to and from the city <laughs> had stopped moving. I, I can't imagine how they were getting their goods and services anymore. Uh, the, uh, the, so he's, I guess he's tuning into something on his, on his comm system as he's doing this where the anchors are i guess they're doing propaganda it was sort of unclear there was propaganda last time was they're saying that nobody's looting anything but they seem to be spinning it as even though everything's destroyed they're saying well we fought them off and that was good and i enjoyed the uh the beautiful female anchor says we managed to fight them all off it's incredible and then she nods enthusiastically <laughs> um <laughs> So I watched the clip of uh, Walter Cronkite uh, removing his glasses when he's <laughs> announcing that John F. Kennedy had died. And it's like, well, you know, you you might think that would trigger a more similar reaction to that, considering that like World War II was just condensed down into two hours. But I guess the beautiful anchor is just sort of uh, <laughs> nodding the way she would if Kim Kardashian was at it again. Yeah, the there's still like there's there's uh, the voices of children crying out in the smoking rubble yes. of the city, like yes. the, absolutely destroyed. It's a husk. It's still burning and smoldering. Right. This is the People, point where I said this can't be the real thing when these things are happening. Like, okay, then then he does that screaming awake thing, and then we, you know, <laughs> yes, no, yeah. this it's, is this is real. This plays out yeah. till the end, folks. Right. We've all lived through awful things that have happened. We've seen how that like you know, makes the entire population stricken for like, you know, a week, certainly in the hours immediately after it happened as there's like this shock as you process it before you actually get to the grief. But like, as we're about to see, 
uh, <laughs> that isn't really how the uh, the high school kids here are handling this type of thing. No, but, uh, I have notes on that. But before we do, I just want to add this. He, he noted that the Big Apple looked just like it did in every apocalyptic disaster movie I'd ever seen. <laughs> Wait, what? You've already run out of movies to name check for apocalyptic disasters after right. Deep Impact in World War Z? <laughs> you have nothing after that? That that right. was shocking. Like, surely I can, off the top of my head, I can go to 15, you know, without even thinking. That became a cliche in the past seven years as every single, you know, superhero and Transformer movie destroyed, destroyed you know, New York or Chicago yet again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was sort of like if you went on Family Feud and they asked him to name a post-apocalyptic disaster movie and he leads off a deep impact. <laughs> and, you know, Steve Harvey takes to the camera as it gets an X. Like. <laughs> but he goes and... Uh, he goes and uh, this was this was something that I uh, could have been the dumb sentence, but he uh, is trying to like talk to his dad and he's like, I'm sorry, you were right. Like, please, General, General Xavier. When he didn't answer, I tried again, Dad, but he still didn't respond. He was dead to the world, but but alive. <laughs> yes. You know, he's it's been established that he's alive and he's trying to save him. It's a poor forward choice there. It, he goes to the uh, his school. Um, and I thought this was also interesting. Uh, maybe he was distraught by the by the 30 million dead and the the screams of children and animals in the street. But he he opts to uh, not park on the street for some reason. Mm-hmm. So he uh, strafes the school and fires his lasers at the school gym roof, which, you know, the first time I probably was aware of it was like when Hurricane Katrina victims were moved to the Superdome. But uh, it is the the standard go to place for victims of a of a of a tragedy or power loss or something like that to to go to right yeah i believe many times it is an emergency shelter dig, uh, <laughs> signified as such and labeled accordingly schools and school gyms and churches would be the places you'd go to and sleep on a cot and like <laughs> so and and i was emailing with someone yesterday because they had also pointed this out but it was like you know if you want to hand wave it away like you know i used my things heat vision and there were no life forms inside, so I shot down the roof, but they didn't even bother to do that. I think he was so excited to get to this. I thought it was so on the nose. The the uh, game-playing nerd shoots up the school gym with his lasers. Uh, like, oh, uh, that's so on the nose. So on the nose and, like, you know, relatively tasteless if you want to uh, yeah. extrapolate from that. I mean, sure, like, that was not Calvin's ultimate fantasy, too, but... Um. <laughs> right. He, he... Um, I... I was very happy that the uh, the thing that we spotlighted in the first episode that luckily his house was only a couple miles from school uh, pays off after that substantial hang time. Yes, um, indeed. He's, he's driving his dad. He's crazy like there. a fox. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> and speaking of fox. Oh, yeah. This is good. This mom is good. leaps out of her car, running to mine, covering well, her mouth <laughs> with her long fingers. Yep. <laughs> what is going on with that one? That was very interesting. I don't. I, she's maybe secretly the Baba Duke. <laughs> like, <what> <laughs> uh, not necessarily a trait that most people associate with insanely hotness. In the uh, film, she'll be played by that guy who's in all those uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro films. The, <laughs> Doug, the, Jones. Doug Jones. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked the drama of him arriving before she popped out with her long fingers. As I turned down our street and saw her empty driveway, I clenched my teeth in disappointment. My mom wasn't here. Literally the next sentence. I was still helping my father out of the car when I heard an engine behind me and turned to see my mom's car pulling in. 
Yeah. I don't even know what he's doing anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, that uh, struck me too. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, so yeah, they she jumps out and they uh, they uh, embrace. Oh, this is this is amazing, and this is something that uh, I'll just tell you. So as I watched them embrace, there on the front lawn, my ha- heart was rocked by waves of unbridled joy. It occurred to me that up until this moment, I'd only experienced the bridled kind. So that's a little joke. Is that right? really? I'm yeah. You know, I miss that. A are little you, wordplay. Are you? He goes on. He expands upon it. But so I went when I went to copy that over. That is not in the draft. Oh, like he he added that little joke thing in. Um, wow. In the draft, he said, "As I watched them embrace there on the front lawn, my heart swelled until I thought it might burst, um, like a dam or like a nuclear detonation." He's used that that thing before. But well, so that was I think a- when his dad was um, in peril or almost dying, his heart did something. It like nearly burst out <laughs> of his chest with grief. The alien chest bursted, or yeah, um, yeah. So. Um, I will point these out because these are just the things that I was going to copy to uh, make fun of here. But this, as we speculated, this was rather rushed, it seemed like, because this broke the all-time record for stuff that I went to copy, and it was not in that ebook uh, review copy. There was a ton of stuff that was that was either left out of there or added in for this final version. So, so wait, to be clear, was this added into the book? So this, Is the, this the, in the, the one that I read in the actual copy? Yes, in the paper book, it says it occurred to me I've only experienced the bridled kind. Oh, wow, and I missed it. That's bad. Yeah. Bad it's... form on my part. <laughs> but so, yeah, there's a lot of that, and I don't know what that means. Like, there's no explanation, and we're not going to get one. But this uh, copy that's floating around for, I guess, re- reviewers was not the final thing, and they added in or took out a whole lot of stuff in this final section. Weird. Uh, what do you think happened? I, I th- it must have been, you know, hastily, uh, hastily get it to press. You have a hit book out. But no, the, the timeline doesn't make sense, right? This wasn't followed directly on the heels of? I think it was. Like, I read something because um, the movie rights sold for, you know, over a million dollars. But it said the movie rights sold based on, like, a 20-page treatment. So I don't think the movie, the book was finished by the time that he uh, did that. I think they were just, like, RP1s at the top of the bestseller list. Like, we got to strike while this stone has some water left in it yeah well then i guess the editor was just you know need something here and it seems rushed but add this add this and let's go let's go let's go you know that has to be incredible so another one comes up right away and this was you know because this is a great great line that we've spotlighted before but my the the dog runs out like the 18 year old dog runs out and i was like oh my is this dog gonna come out here and die like is he gonna be that bold Um, which didn't happen um Odysseus style. But uh, <laughs> my father began to laugh under the Beagle's barrage of kisses, but then he glanced over at my mother and me, and his features suddenly contorted into a mask of pain. <laughs> but that didn't happen in the draft either. He just says he glanced over at my mother and me and suddenly broke down and began to sob. So he added in another contorted into a into a mask of pain. Oh, his father's face at this point is going bananas. I, I noted a <laughs> bunch of them. I, I stopped noting them. It's just like, this guy is who is this man? Yeah, I think he's, physically he, he he's gonna look like the uh, like one of those old guys that pulls their bottom lip over their chin or whatever. You know, like their teeth the are gone. Yes. Or he look, looks like the uh, clown prince of baseball. That guy who would do the goofy faces and pitch. You know, do trick pitches and stuff. Like <laughs> or like uh, at the beginning of Mario sixty four, where you could pull Mario's nose with the cursor and just like tweak that with the. Uh... <laughs> He's, uh, he's got one of them of Apple questions. filters on his face that he can just right. move it all over. 
And uh, so he's, he sees his family embracing and they're reunited. And he says, suddenly I wanted very much for the world not to end. I wanted it to keep going more than anything. And so I'm glad we got his okay on the matter to uh, <laughs> keep existing. Because that was it's important. He signs off on that. I'm glad. <laughs> so he's, he's going to take off to go see Cruz and Deal. But his mom is, is diagnosing his dad. She says he's definitely suffered a concussion, um, but he'll live. And so as he's leaving, though, they, they put him through the standard. Since he's a nurse, she knows the standard um, like percussion, concussion protocol. He, he, she buries him face down in the couch cushions and let his dog sit on his head. So that's um, <laughs> a, a good way to treat him. I believe that is standard. <laughs> um, and but, he, uh, he becomes quite a comic character at this point oh. because he's drugged up. But it's never really clear how what is how is it affecting him, which is concussion, the gash on his head. Which is him just being sort of a dumbass. There's kind of that is mixed in there. He doesn't seem like the hardened general we've come to know. That's for right. sure. But it's well, sometimes the, blamed on the drugs, and other times it's just he's just so goofy. You know, he's got he is, that he's like goofy a, grin. He's like a Shia LaBeouf character or something from uh, you know, when he's freaking out in Transformers, like flopping into the couch, and um, so and so is uh, so is Deal when we go to meet him. But I did note that his when he was observing the uh, when he was in the pod and watching the pod like shoot up his dad, he said something like, uh, "I hoped that the." Uh, you know, they had checked the expiration date on that medicine, which also struck me as a very weird thing to think about as he was, you know, watching the space age technology, um, treating his father at like with a robot being like, I know, I don't know when I learned about drug expiration dates, but it certainly wasn't when I was 18 years old. Hey, it probably, it had thimerosal in it. So he was fine unless you're Jenny McCarthy, then he's in big trouble. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he, he drives over to, to, uh, Deal's house who fortunately also lives a few miles from school. Um, it would have been weird if he was one of those guys that lives like a hundred miles from his school. Um, but he, he goes to, uh, he goes to, um, climb in Deal's window or something and Deal starts falling out of his chair also like, uh, you know, Shia LaBeouf or Jim Carrey. Yeah. He's the, uh, the uh, gatekeeper, the bridge keeper in, uh, it's a wonderful life, you know, like, <laughs> Doing the wide-eyed wah and then right. falling off the chair. Deal looks at he's only eighteen, but he still looks at his bottle of whiskey. And, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they they their introduction was was good again. I I thought just in terms of things that are one sentence apart. Zach, he said, leaning out the window to give me a hug before pulling me inside. Jesus, man, we hugged each other. Then I turned to wave at Cruz. You just hugged each other. You <laughs> hugged each other outside the window, and then you hug each other inside the window. I, it's it's hey, very puzzling. It's cruise and deal, man. It's the mics. <laughs> yeah, so who doesn't for, love these guys? They have been a fixture in this book. Right. He does at some point in time he refers to them as the mics again, but that was another thing with hang time on it from the beginning that didn't matter, didn't need to pay off. No wonder there was never a comic scene where he was like, Mike, not you. Like was talking. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so they make, he makes the curious, you know, authorial standpoint, you know, he's the author, he could do whatever he wants. Um, but he, he puts Cruz on a chat window the entire time, which is a very, you know, just from the, from the point of view of drama, that's the thing that Spielberg would get us and be like, what? Like put them in the same put room. They're, they're, they're together. Yeah. To watch how this tragedy is playing out. But yeah, speaking of the tragedy, he compliments his sweet EDA uniform. Mm -hmm. uh, so that might've been worth you know, a couple of the millions of dead. He had to uh, raise his voice over the screams of someone, you know, a couple houses over going, please help right. me. 
right? The 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 every every tragedy we've seen play out, you know, they're still rescuing survivors from, you know, Katrina like weeks later who are, you know, starved and dehydrated, but these heroes are still going around to pull them out of the out of their attics and stuff, but Deal is saying, thanks for leaving without me, Biggs. Um. <laughs> oh, there's a bunch of lines. So so he calls with, he impresses them with, because he, he gives them the rundown of everything that he did. And he actually says, I didn't realize this. He said less than 24 hours ago is when he left. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So that's, that's the timeline. It's all in the day. And he's wearing the uniform and he, you know, uh, Save the Earth, and he's got the Q comedy, whips that out, and he calls in. And that's when they learn of the death toll of, you know, it's 30 million and, and growing, I'm sure. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're, the city of Portland is leveled on, a, you know, there's not a single survivor. <laughs> right. How do you even estimate that, like, at this point in time? Like, there's I, no way yeah. they're going <laughs> to. I don't know how they're getting reports. But at that point, um, Deal says he's got a couple of lines. Uh, he, oh, he makes the attempt to, uh, to call some, I forget what the exact thing is, but says, well, that was a giant ball of fail. Yeah. <laughs> and then about his parents, oh, I want to know if they boned in zero gravity. Again, the bodies are still, you know, right. smoking and burnt. They're charred, uh, children in the streets and that's, right. <laughs> that's deal. <laughs> and then he goes into his Brady Bunch stick of, of note of fame because it was, yeah, that. That was, you know, that was sort of something I'd forgot about, but that seeing as how, how that was integrated, um, how that was, how that paid off was, was a real treat. I still don't know how these people are aware of the Brady Bunch, but, uh, sure. That's, that's the association they have with seeing a, uh, a, you know, group chat window on their, on their screen is that it reminds them of the Brady Bunch. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. So they, but they had, uh, they had, um, managed to, uh, hack their, rigs i guess or their their androids their their aphids in order to uh to um have them surround their house because people had been all over the world have been figuring all sorts of hacks to make them do stuff the eda never intended then they post how-to videos on youtube showing everyone else how to do it too um that, which hap- is, that again, happened within that 24-hour period again oh i mean the 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 invasion stopped an hour ago Two hours ago, right? I mean, he flew from Antarctica after that. He destroyed the 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 Black Betty, mm-hmm. the you know the uh, old Dan Tucker, and then he. Uh, that's when the drone stopped. So that's when everyone had the freedom to do all this stuff. So it's, it's guys, again, were not uh, rolling up their sleeves and digging out survivors. They were like um, breaking down their things and posting the videos to YouTube. You know, hacking it so they can play Doom on it and stuff. Hey, you gotta love that. Uh... You know, we just shrug it off and keep moving on. You know? <laughs> he, uh, they, those two uh, jokers um, had uh, disabled the recall subroutine on their aphids, so they didn't leave for reassignment after the first wave. Now they'll be here to protect my mom and little sisters when the second wave arrives. So I was like, you know, speculating like, yeah, they were guarding a hospital, but, uh, you know, finders keepers here. <laughs> now they're in my front lawn, like my dog's barking at him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but then he makes he makes the call in. He's trying to convince the the Grand Council, the Star Chamber, the Poobahs, the whatever, to mm-hmm. uh, of his of his dad's insane conspiracy theory. And so he that's a hack as well, right? He's able to hack into the council. Oh yeah, um, brother. Yeah, like uh, yes. The, calling up Stephen Hawking and um, 
what's his name is made possible by like Lex had gotten hacked from the contacts. She had, um, maybe the general had their contact information. So she was able to transfer it to him. I mean, anything that he's able to do is, is explained away by a hack. It's very much the, uh, the wizards did it from, from the Simpsons, um, Mm -hmm. explaining how itchy and scratchy cartoons work. Um, but yeah, that's how he's able to get in touch with them. But I think before, yeah, before that though, he, uh, they do have some some good some few more good lines. He's talking about the uh, when he's talking about how he hacked the thing. He says the super hot mech driver I met at Crystal Palace showed me how to do it. She also kissed me. FYI, Deal says I want to know if they boned in zero gravity. Spill it, Lightman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Deal also is is able to do something in these scenes. Um, so that, you know, these, if you're reading the book, they're, they're broken up the way any book is broken up where a section ends and then there's sort of either a, a gap or like, you know, three asterisks to sort of divide up a, a dramatic scene. And, you know, the, the way that those usually end is, is on a, a joke or on a, um, you know, no, a line of note, um, the way you would cut in a, a to a break on a TV show commercial. But in the span of these the last couple chapters, deal has ones that are just like, they just sort of lay there and then they. They stare at each other for three seconds and then they then they cut the scene um, like you would a uh, an, an unsuccessful uh, like stand up joke where the host just comes out. All right, everybody. That was a, but uh, <laughs> right. so or like an improv scene where you say something and someone decides to, to sweep and end it without having gotten a laugh. But uh, the, the first one that caught my attention was uh, I raised my wrist and activated my QCOM. Both of my friends eyes lit up. What the holy sweet hell is that deal asked? A tricorder and scene. <laughs> and hold for laugh. <laughs> yes. And then, uh, so yeah, that was a uh, that was a dramatic moment. Later on, when the aliens are landing at the Devil's Tower in Wyoming, uh, Deal says, oh, that's not cool. He stared at a live video image of the disruptor taking, taken by an orbiting satellite. Are these alien pricks openly mocking us now? Christ! And scene <laughs> deal is, is hammering these ones home. Um, so I think that just, again, speaks to the uh, to the swiftness that this last passage was sort of done with. I assume, though, when you did hear news of the Devil's Tower and the reference to Close Encounters in your head, you heard <laughs> la do da ba ba, of course. That almost got me. I was taking a sip of coffee. That was <laughs> I, I saw where you were going and I didn't spit take. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, that's the end of that chapter. It, st- it stops right before he is. Yeah. He's calling the, uh, the scientists. Um, well, that but, gives a curious, there's a curious line here about, because okay. so it's, I, I don't recognize the names of the, the, the non, you know, pop famous ones. Yes. No, I only recognize the, the, the two pop famous ones, which right. are, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and, um, Oh, what's his name? Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. Sorry. Uh, and Stephen Hawking spoke using his famous computer-generated voice, which now, ironically, reminded me of Chen's translator instead of the other way around. It's just <laughs> a weird... But you said they sounded exactly the same. So right. why is so, one reminding you of the other? They are the same. It's the same right. thing. Right. So when he met Chen, he said, this reminds me of Stephen Hawking's thing. We, we, we knew he was foreshadowing there. But now after, you know, the four hours he spent with Chen, that's his his go to reference for it. Yeah. Yeah. He completely reversed himself. And I did note when he rang up Tyson, he said he didn't know where he was. They were each at a different location, et cetera. 
And I just assumed that Tyson was at his location in Rationalia, the country he proposed with a one-line <laughs> constitution. Do you remember that? No, is that real? That's a tweet that he did, yes. <laughs> I propose a new country called Rationalia with a one-line constitution. Everything we do should be based on the weight of evidence, is one of his tweets. <laughs> wow. Or did he catch him in the middle of crapping on New Year's Eve as being a meaningless thing in the- <laughs> Have you ever seen those? Every holiday he unleashes his, uh, you should not be happy about this because, and then some (laughs) stupid, you know, science bullshit. Right. Oh, wow. Uh, So how would rationalia, I mean, handle free speech? Uh, The weight of evidence, man. It's easy. One line. I know. Sure. But like, it's the the dumbest thing in the world. (laughs) My evidence is I don't like what my neighbor's saying. (laughs) <laughs> Makes me unhappy. Yep. I'm going to kill him. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, great. there's one more line, and then we can move on out of this chapter. He said, I forget what his snarky reply was to them as they were, but they, they asked to be put him on hold after he you know rushes out the whole thing. Like, I know you guys, I know there's bodies are, people are dying, there's cities are smoldering, but here's my conspiracy theory about what's happening. And then he makes some snarky reply and he says, I don't think they even heard my snarky reply because they put me on hold before I'd finished making it. (laughs) So you don't think they heard you. But if you had to guess, since you just said they put you on hold before you made the quip, what would your guess be? (laughs) I don't think so. Right. Counting the keyboard, uh, you know, the the uh, margarita in one hand as the uh, as, as Harry Knowles is firing up the Xbox in the other room. <laughs> yes. Well, now the chapters start coming fast and furious. I actually yeah. have very few notes for the next few because they're I mean, it, they're so short, but also not much going on in each one. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Chapter 23. And I mean, I had I, I spent a lot of time in that one uh, just because it. It did have uh, a lot more going, but the next ones happened really quick. But uh, before we do that, I just wanted to say that. Uh, so we did it last time with the when when we finished this this uh, Ready Player One series, uh, we we decided we didn't want these books in our house anymore, but we thought that uh, there might be something we could do good with them. So we uh, auctioned them off on eBay and donated the all the uh, the money to a eight two six national, which does uh, creative writing workshops and programs in underserved communities and people were really into that it raised like almost 500 bucks um for a very good cause um, so we want to do that again we will put up the links uh on all our pages and in this description but but folks oh, bonus bonus this is this is really incredible uh lucas antoniak uh from rise of the lucas has made our t-shirts and uh, did the uh, uh, event page for our uh, live podcast. He's very talented. Uh, you may have seen the cow, uh, hell of a rig inflatable cow T-shirt. And uh, a dozen of you have already bought it. Um, I'm not sure if you saw it, but someone bought one and uh, put it on their uh, Tom Servo doll yesterday. <laughs> Beautiful. It, they, they bought the infant size and put it on that. So that so was that, cool. That explains the request for the infant size. <laughs> yes, fortunately, we haven't seen an actual baby in one. Uh, but anyway, so Lucas did an actual, I think probably watercolor painting of the inflatable cow who uh, fans have deemed Chuck Et. Um, so it is a uh, really awesome piece of artwork. Um, I mean, I'll just say it out loud that I have, I'm still in my mind debating 
keeping it for myself because uh, it's a really, really nice thing. But he's we're going to include that in the auction, too. So you can bid on the books that me and Mike have, uh, you know, taken notes in. Um, we'll sign them. And then uh, you get this one of a kind um, original creation that it will look good anywhere in your home. Um, you can put it in your office if you don't want to work for much longer. So look for that on eBay. Uh you know, dig deep because it's all for a good cause and really cool prizes. Well, I think, I don't know. I think you can hang it in your office. It's just the problem is if anyone asks what it is, I think on its, <laughs> on its face, it's just a charming little, uh, you know, slight bit of oddity, a curious, a curio, but uh, hand painted. And, and as you say, one of a kind, but yeah, go ahead and risk that until the, yes. the regional manager comes in. What? I like right. that piece of art. Please explain <laughs> what that is. So just have but a can, just have a story made up so you don't have to explain what it is. It's a far side cartoon, right? That's they like he liked cows. But yeah, someone so they they the the uh body inflation forum was talking about us just because it came full circle that we've been talking about something we found on their forum. And so I posted that and someone was like, Hey, like, you know, they're doing what they do. They're they're consenting. They're having fun with it. Like more power to them. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. Let them. You know, we don't have any gripe with the body inflation community. Um, Lord knows, I wouldn't want to. There's just something about that cow that that I found funny. So, yeah, I don't want to start any trouble with those <laughs> those people. I, I don't I don't know what they can marshal in their uh, in their favor. Yeah, they blow to pop, Mike. That is something that they. <laughs> I don't <laughs> look that up, folks. Yeah, um, please don't. So yeah, uh, check out our eBay auction. It will be uh, it'll be uh, a lot of a lot of fun to see how how that one works out um, this time around. Maybe it will go for a hundred dollars. In which case, I'll bid and keep it myself. <laughs> uh, um, you, you love that thing. <laughs> so yeah, we move on through the story, and this one starts with a bang. Uh, and I say that, and realized it was a pun as soon as I said it. But he's uh, he hangs up with these. Oh no, he's not hanging up. Uh, he's dialing in his father, dialing in his dad. And uh, he sort of sees this uh, suspicious glow on his father's face um, and then realizes, no wonder my parents hadn't answered their their phones earlier. They'd been too busy boning each other like teenagers. Yeah, that made it into fan fiction earlier. And uh, <laughs> once again, always fun to see how is this possibly going to play yes. out? This can't be real. And there it is. But before, the reason that he knows they had been boning like teenagers was he was smiling, an unbridled, rapturous smile, even bigger than the one he's been wearing when we first met. <laughs> Once again, what is right. going on with this man's face? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's almost Cheshire at this point in time. And then he, I believe this is the dad, Nixon had NASA. So he, oh yeah, he, he patches in his dad with the council, right? Well, but before that, he says that if he had still been his old Bruce Banner self, I would have hulked right the fuck out on him then and there. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. So I was like, <laughs> through through the video conferencing, you would have like just sort of like done a wrestling promo being like, when I see you next time, Ulysses <laughs> Lightman, like I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Take a walk around my back, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Starts pulling out little creamers and show and it's like, so yeah, I don't know what hulking out involves um, through, through FaceTime. But, um, and I did just realize the dog thing was a joke, right? Ulysses, Odysseus. Yeah, I guess that's Odysseus, right? Are they the same thing? But I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I didn't pick up on that at all. The dog doesn't doesn't Odysseus's dog come out and die? I don't know. That's yeah, whatever. Yeah. I I was too busy watching back to back banana splits episodes. I, I don't know. Uh, so he says, 
Nixon had NASA send a nuke as our first olive branch, Dr. Strangelove. So at heart, in the, everyone is deal. Just cracking terrible jokes and making their references without any acknowledgement. You know, his dad isn't, did you get a report? How many dead? What happened? No, just cracks a Dr. Strangelove, right. you know, burn right away. That's his first thing after, you know, collapsing his giant goofy smile. <laughs> But who is uh who's he calling Doctor Strange Love? Oh, he's he's patched into the board, or, or um, oh, just with all those other five guys. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. Ha- I'm sorry, my note didn't say who he's talking yeah. to when he says that. Well, probably Tyson or or Hawking, and I just I, I don't remember how it all works. I'm going to assume that that's an inaccurate use of that term as a slur. <laughs> yes. uh, they're they're hashing it out with his dad on this. Uh, on this exchange, but then they get a surprise visitor. He, I blinked in surprise because uh, Vance, Corporal Vance, shows up or whatever. Admiral Vance. Apparently, Vance knew a few QCOM tricks of his own, and I so I assumed that he had watched a YouTube tutorial for hacking them within the past hour or so after the uh, <laughs> he, he skipped the debriefing thing to go and watch um, you know a, a, a YouTube channel of, of how to hack into the uh, five scientists. Right. Oh, that's who he was. T- he was talking to Vance because it was oh, Vance, okay. it's Vance it. is right. like it's all part of his plan. So that's right. who Dr. Strangelove is there. <laughs> uh, but I like this part. Uh, Vance's haggard face grew to fill half my display, scowling at us in crystal clear high definition. And so I was like, what? what? It's 2018. Are you my dad in 2004 when he got the first HDTV we'd ever seen? It was like, you got to come down to the basement. Like there's a, they're showing footage of the Grand Canyon in crystal clear HD. Like it's amazing. <laughs> Who has referred to that at all in the past decade? Yeah, I've often been curious about the QCOM and its its actual workings because he often talks about uh, looking at someone on the display, and he said, my eyes scanned down to my father's wound, or they did this. How big is the screen? What are, <laughs> what are the dimensions? Your eyes are scanning all over? It's, I assume it's, you know, two and a half, three inches diagonally, something like that. It's on his wrist, isn't it? Right. Yeah. It's. Uh, I thought it was, yeah, exactly. Like a. Uh, so how crystal like, clear does it need to be? It's just, <laughs> it's Yeah, tiny. I was imagining smaller than a smartphone i guess i don't know yeah but i guess maybe it's like a 16k display or something like that um who knows it doesn't matter (laughs) at this point in time we like like everything we just put in more thought than he did yes they they say vance says like we're not stopping this like you know your, your your plans are are useless and uh but then yet again this is like a It's like a bad comedy routine. He drops off and then the other people have all been eavesdropping like in a Shakespeare play or something. Um, The rest of his uh, his team, Wody and Debbie and Lex are all there. And then she then he asked Lex to set up things so they could all listen on the conference call. She also installed software on her QCOMs to prevent the EDA from remotely disabling them. So just, you know. Hand wave. All that's possible. Oh, everything is from here on out is completely ad hoc. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's added at the time. Oh, I, sh- I should have probably had them listening. Oh, okay. They were listening. Um, <laughs> so that was that, that sort of chapter. I don't know if there's anything else about those scientists or anything like that. I didn't, I didn't take anything really away from that other than he just wanted to put those guys in the book. Probably so Neil deGrasse would tweet about it. One more uh, smile from the old man though. He broke into a broad smile, but he doesn't <laughs> tell us how big it was compared to the one when they first met or the one <laughs> when he called him. But again, he's, uh, his face contorting one more time. (laughs) 
So they move on to uh, chapter 24 where his, they, they go to their old video game store. Uh, that's when his dad issues the command, once again, that was in the fan fiction. I need each of you to build the best rig you can as fast as you can. And then there was another thing that I thought was was fun to have the uh, the the hang time on the payoff. There's a secret access node for the EDA's hardline fiber optic intranet hidden somewhere at this location, he said, but I can't find it. I remembered something Ray had told me during our shuttle ride to Crystal Palace, that glaive fighter I'd seen outside my classroom window. He'd said it was a scout ship conducting surveillance on the EDA's hardline intranet. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That, so is, that, was, that is an Easter yeah. egg. That's a so we, well we made fun played. of that in the beginning. Where, where was the uh, – I, I, I wrote down how many times uh, hardline and node come out. Okay, yeah. so intranet in these last three chapters, keeping in mind what we know about what's about to happen, the, the, the climax of the book, intranet turns up 11 times and hardline turns up eight times. Um, so your pulse is pounding. Um, <laughs> oh, I can't. Yeah. The descriptions of how they set those up. Um, and at that moment when he says there's a secret hard line here, I just wrote, and now this people will, before you start shrieking at me, this is resolved later, but this is clumsy right now. We need to find the hard line and which I thought, you know, I guess it's worth a try, but that line might've been ruptured during an attack, which reduced the entire city to charred <laughs> rubble. I, I don't know. What is the infrastructure of the, the hard lines you buried as, as the EDA did this, what did they say they were doing? Were, right. Like how deep are they burying these lines and why are they certain that they'll be working? Right. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, you yeah. know, you th think about any public works in your city, it involves, you know, they have to do the environmental studies for six years before they even turn the backhoe on how, how are you putting in a a line that is completely impenetrable fiber optic line through the city Who, right does people take note of that when there's a mile deep trench in the middle of portland uh, right but, but anyway it, it gets waved away later i think he they goes, do how did they wave it away do you remember uh he, there's a really boring paragraph about how okay. they were when they set it up they realized that the you know black betty would take out communications and they'd need hard lines so they put right. each node was hardwired above so they did ran they, hard they, lines to uh you know the their readouts in wh what's the one uh red dragon or dragon yeah uh, red rock center red or rock yeah so no. that there's a hard line to there i guess they're massive all, hard line yeah. so they're all connected across the country yeah so that, but that, so why didn't every drone work through that system well they had they have to have a tether on them oh he God, talks about there. like carbon fiber tethers um, yeah which is i mean my my parents went without power for like three days last month because of like a mild windstorm during like uh you know february in dc so i'm, I'm glad that the the uh the other one can withstand the disruptors and nuke blasts and all that stuff it's good that yeah, but they also had to have those signs, you know, please call the EDA before digging, you know. Those... Yeah, Miss Utility. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be awesome if uh, just a guy, a kid was you know, digging for buried treasure in his backyard and ruptured the EDA's thing. And that was the uh, that was what had ended up dooming humanity. <laughs> Some guy putting in a jungle gym. <laughs> Yeah, so the uh, he he sort of does the the thing that he did throughout the book. Um, but if the Europeans knew about the EDA's backup intranet, why hadn't they bothered to destroy or disable it before they invaded? Because their actions have never made any sort of tactical sense. I thought, and he sort of uses that as therefore, I understand what they're doing. 
thing right. that he's that he's about to, to to determine their 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 path here. But it's just that sort of he, he's he spotlights this twist that's coming for the entire time, somehow managing to understand what they're doing, despite the whole twist being that he doesn't think that their actions make any sense. Yeah, it, it it's too tough to untangle. Um <laughs> Yeah, but there's so there's more hacking. Um, he, he they've prevented uh, Vance from being able to monitor them because Lex has installed something in their thing. Um, but then the, that's the concern of Ray when they call him up to find out where the safe is. Um, so they call up Ray and he says, "You're back at the store," he said, brightening first, then scowling at the side of his office. What the hell, man? Who are you letting ransack the place, looters? I'm glad that his priorities are in the right place. Um, yes. Again, as the <laughs> like, city still smoldering, right? You could watch the death count roll up by the hundreds, like probably in the time that they had that sentence. But he's upset that his rigs are getting unboxed at the uh, at the video game store. Then, then this was uh, this was something that I was at a uh, Lauren had a, his coworkers had a party last weekend, and I was people were asking you know what I was up to, and I was telling him about this book, and this was the sentence that I remembered and was able to spotlight for them. The honor is all mine, Sergeant, he said. I owe you a huge debt for watching over my boy while I was gone. Thank you. You're welcome, Ray said, blushing visibly. (laughs) I have that highlighted as well. Like, and just so, I mean, what other way is there to blush? It's like a physical, it's a physical action, you know, like visibly embarrassed. I guess that's a you know what he was going for, but if you're blushing, it probably is going to be visible since. Well, that's I think the only what he was to... trying to do was once again highlight the the crisp resolution of that QCOM device. <laughs> I, I could see a blush on a two and a half inch screen on my wrist phone. Is what he's saying. <laughs> oh my god! So, so I... he he happily throws in right his old boss father figure Ray, mm-hmm. who's a high commander now. And they come up with their plan, which this goes pretty quick, I think. And But he says this, I wasn't a fan of several aspects of his plan. And I just thought, I circled, I was like, I'm glad to hear there's something sci-fi-esque that he wasn't a fan of. I, I <laughs> wouldn't have thought it possible. To... <laughs> so he's not a fan of something, at least. Right, yeah. He's like, well, you know, I, I wasn't a fan of the part of the plan where he rated uh, Star Trek V over star trek six because that's obviously ludicrous um (laughs) but i mean that wasn't really part of his plan but it just came up in the natural course of conversation but i i didn't think it was the time to argue about that type of thing but but yeah so they are moving on from this uh from the from the store after they they get into the safe which has a a password that i assume would violate most you know generic office password protocols certainly one of, of of national security which is just a rush album and then uh thx is 1138 no special characters no caps nothing like that but that's what's uh that's what they've got protecting the uh protecting yeah, and i thought <laughs> the hard line it was curious that he just mashes two references together and you know it would be like putting national security under uh what's the 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 pop song from the 80s uh 8675309 like nobody huh and then everybody everyone who used to drink beer in their dorm rooms gives them a thumbs up like yeah sweet (laughs) right the guy with that number is like please oh let it die like it's not funny anymore but yeah so they uh we move on to chapter 25 and once you've read the book once you've seen how it ends it is i mean it's just hilarious that at this point in time there are 20 pages left um, knowing what's about to come 
knowing what uh, events that uh, shake our understanding of the world and uh, and the entire future of humanity is going to be uh, <laughs> taken in just 20 pages, not even 20 pages. This is how the chapter starts. The second wave attacks just minutes after my father departed. A swarm of glaive and wyvern fighters descended from the sky to attack Portland and the surrounding suburbs. Our drone reserves were heavily diminished, and consequently we were far more outnumbered than we had been during the first wave. But the EDA's civilian gamer forces continued to put up a valiant fight and a fierce battle raged into the streets of the city and in the sky above while we carried out our mission inside the store. But enough of that, Mike. Let's talk nodes. <laughs> <laughs> we get back to some node speak there. Very quickly goes into the nodes. During his chalk talk, my father had explained how the EDA's hardline intranet worked. It was an underground fiber optic cable network directly linking all of its drone controller outposts together, creating a disruptor-proof communication system that the Alliance had prepared in anticipation of this invasion. Yeah, well, this there there it is. That That's the explanation that I was looking for before, but that answers nothing. Every right. node where the drones are has these hardwired cables? <laughs> so there were 2,400 miles of lines running from the ones there to the, you know, in the yeah. store at the uh, the mall store. So did right. they have to, to rip through the Cold Stone Creamery? And, right. You know, the to... Thai fighter, uh, Thai restaurant had to shut down for two months as they did this. I mean, it's bizarre that he could just get away with this. You just come up with something else. That right. they, had, they had a new technology invented by... Uh, Invented Lex. by Neil yeah. deGrasse Tyson, that <laughs> yes. it's a laser that shoots into a mirror at a, an outpost above the Jupiter, and then it shoots back, you know. But to say that, it's just so stupid. Right. Yeah, you've imposed the restriction that there is this weird disruptor that had the weird loophole of, like, if they're on a different moon, then they still work. But if they're on the same planet, they, like you, you created that, you know, limitation. <laughs> you can certainly create something just as dumb to to circumvent that. Yeah, I have to admit, I have an, a note here. I don't have many notes for chapter 25. I assume it's super small. I don't have, the, I'm not looking at the book. I'm just looking at notes. But um, mm -hmm. I just thought, man, it, you get to the end and the action that he describes is, it's almost technically unreadable. It, it is unreadable for me. I just couldn't, it's so dull and hard to follow that it's it's just so skippable. And this is the linchpin of the whole book. Yes, right. It just gets so dreary in a way, you know, trying again, trying to picture what he has in his head, which right. he's unable to translate to the page in any way that makes it something that you, you know, I can't wait to read the next sentence. What happens? Instead, right. you're reconstructing minutiae in your brain going, wait, what? He's going over here and this is... So anyway, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I, I sort of failed at this chapter. Okay, well, I've got some some specifics, and I've got a very good point about that. What you just said um, coming up, because there was a thing that I just had no idea what we were supposed to be picturing in our head. But before that, I want to talk about uh, Wody's uncle Franklin, because this is a guy that I we just got tossed in right here. But I I kind of wish the whole book had been about him, because <laughs> Wody was fighting from an armada sit down arcade game located in the game room of her uncle Franklin's bowling alley in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I'm picturing like, uh, uh, I don't know, Uncle Franklin. I'm, I, I, in my head was, uh, I think Clark Peters, the guy from The Wire, and Treme, and I mean, just this. He, he played Lester Freeman on The Wire. He's just a badass, you know, sort of older, older dude. So I'm, I'm right. imagining him being Uncle Franklin, running a bowling alley, just being like, "What the hell is my niece doing?" Like, oh, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I got to polish some bowling balls. Like, <laughs> what was? Uh, did you say New Orleans? Uh, yes. Was that not burning to the ground? Did they spare it? 
<laughs> I don't know. They'd suffered enough, maybe. Like they, look, yeah, in New Orleans, it was it was where it was. Oh, I'm not right. sure. Well, I guess major this... port. You know, you'd think if they were aliens were doing any shipping or anything, they'd probably want to conquer that or at least diminish our ability to do it. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> but then uh, uh, this was another thing that just struck me as sort of sloppy. Cruise and Deal had uh, detached the small Xbox like Xbox like game controller from each eighth its back. So I was like, well, the con- the controller was like an Xbox. I, it just again, it's something that was a, a small detail. But um, yeah, that was that, part of the thing that made my eyes glaze over. It's like I'm not yes. doing the work here. I refuse to figure out what he's talking about. I, I <laughs> Aethid comes up twelve hundred times. I have zero picture of what that is in my head. I'm sure yes. there's some description of it earlier, but yeah, I, I sort can't. of. So I looked that up because he goes on to that's how his father. Um, escaping i mean or how he's doing his little uh, self-sacrifice move he detached the tethered controllers from each drone and used them to command four aethids to lift his injured body off the ground then he had them interlace their eight arms and legs around his body forming something that looked sort of like a walking spider tank this contraption <laughs> you know this, this contraption tank. lifted him up and continued to carry him forward so yeah i you know that's it looks sort of like a walking spider tank. Got it? No? Well, that's what I'm referring that's to. That's all as, I got as for he you. Continues on. So he calls it that as he moves on. And it's very sloppy because we don't know what an aethid looks like. Nobody knows what an aethid looks like because if you try to look for like fan art or even, you know, something from the book or an illustration, there's nothing. There's oh, absolutely. Wait, they so don't this exist. is just his invention? This is not something you took from something else? Maybe he said it looked like, you know, the thing that they use in aliens. Um, but who knows? Um, I mean, that has to be what it is. But there's no, I, I just thought that was a, another damning aspect of this book that no no fans even gave a shit enough to to do this. They didn't do any basilisks. You know, we had a fan do a really awesome picture of a glaive fighter that looks that has Professor Frank mented on it. And that's more fan art than any of Armada's actual fans ever came up with. Um, but yeah, Spider Tank is a uh, Spider Tank. Well, I think in the first Gulf War, you, we all remember <laughs> as they were rolling in for the yes. Saddam's uh, Imperial Guard or whatever they were. They were Schwarzkopf was on one, just flexing as he uh, <laughs> rolled in. Um, he's in this. His dad has done this. He's gone into the uh, Red Rock thing or whatever. He's um, infiltrated that, um, and he's concerned. He says that the, the icebreaker and its fighter escorts were under control of Vance and his underlings at Raven Rock. I, I took control of the lead interceptor, and through its moons, I could see the icebreaker closing in on the icy moon, uh, or through its cameras. I knew that those ships were under the control of the best pilots the EDA had available. That would certainly include Viper, who's Vance, who he just referred to as Vance, and Rostam, who were both listed above me in the Armada pilot rankings for a very good reason. They were better than me. So I'm glad that he emphasized at this late stage how the concept of rankings work um, to emphasize that the ones who are ranked better than him are, in fact, better than him. <laughs> yeah. It's an important thing to drill down on at this point in time. Also something that, uh, you know, this is just still, it seems more like his video game grudge than any kind of drama <laughs> reveal. It's more like yeah. he's still just ticked that uh, he couldn't beat these guys in the, yeah. the actual video game. Yeah, exactly. He was bitter about that guy asking him to sign an autograph. And, you know, the guy had been polite to him um, and was ranked like one or two spots above him. So it's not like he's, you know, he's wronged him in any way other than just, yeah, being a a better guy. Oh, no, he was recruited because he didn't have anger issues because he didn't beat the crap out of some guy and leave him for dead. Uh, So you can understand why he'd hold a grudge. 
So this, I thought you would personally appreciate. Um, Lex has uh, executed more computer wizardry to put a feat of his father's mission on his heads-up display so that as he's flying the ship's drone, he's able to watch what his father is doing in this base through the network of security camera footage. And these also appear to be mic'd up as well. Um, so in my mind, there's someone, you know, as his father is going down this hallway and he's going to make a spider tank and he's going to um, sacrifice himself and confront these guys. Someone is like switching down the hallway through all the security cameras. So I thought it was like, you know, when you tried to watch um, MLB TV playoffs like six years ago. <laughs> right. And like they wouldn't let you watch the actual game feed. They would be like, you can control the action yourself. So there'd be like a camera that pointed at second base and there'd be a camera that pointed, you know, at the outfield. And you were you had to switch through them if you wanted to follow the ball. And it was unwatchable. Right. They didn't. That was the weirdest thing. They didn't license the actual footage of the game. They licensed the raw cameras and yes. put them all up. It was yeah. unwatchable. It was impossible. So that's what that that's how he's maintaining this. Like a camera's like pulling into second base to pull focus, like in between every like time the ball's put in play and stuff. But he's he's able to to find, you know, minute details like that his father is making a spider tank. So his father so, does sacrifice himself, right? I mean it happens in the course of of a very short chapter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um but the the way that he and it makes his presence known was by uh, hijacking all the Aethid's external speakers and then used them to put a song I recognized immediately from his old Raid the Arcade mix, Run's House by Run DMC. Yep. Archie really hates hip-hop, we heard him say. I bet this will throw him off his balance. Yep, that was fanfic before, because yep. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> a lot came from this section, because this is really, really bad. So his, so I just you know interpreted that, you know, his dad is, Archie is um, you know the crusty, crusty dean in a college movie, or like, the dad in the black or white video who's just going to be so thrown off by the by, by um, black people making music that he's going to be and it, he, he isn't thrown off his game. He's just he shoots out the speakers immediately. But it was a, a weird bone to toss in there. Yes, this is how he's going to defeat him. because He <laughs> hates hip hop. Uh. The uh, there's more stuff that was left out of the draft. Um, he, when he enters the room to sacrifice himself, he says that Rostam. Looks completely starstruck in my father's presence, which, you know, the guy is here to probably to kill you, you have to imagine. So there's no reason to look starstruck in meeting a guy who's like two rankings ahead of you. Yeah, uh, and he's, and, uh, Rostam, is, isn't he in a hell of a rig? He has to be, right? He's controlling the things that are guiding the icebreaker. Yeah, yeah he might actually be there. And then, then, then they, this is like a weird delay mission that his dad is doing in order to give his son time to... To get to wherever he's doing, it didn't make much sense I, for him to sacrifice himself. I don't, you know, I don't know why he did it because as soon as he sacrifices himself, they run out and hop into their drones. But um, I think Rostam's actually there in person right now because he says, uh, "Corporal Vance turned his weapon on my father. I saw Rostam avert his gaze." So it's very good editing on the terms of whoever's controlling security cameras to like get a real good. Uh, shot of Rostam averting his gaze. But that was another thing that was not in the draft of uh, this, these Rostam reaction shots, maybe because they're really stupid and don't add anything to the, uh, to, to the, uh, to the action here. How about a, uh, just a quick sentence about uncle Frank put on <laughs> his uncle Frank was a TV director. He did sports and uh, he did bowling and stuff. So he was very familiar with how to cut to action. <laughs> he threw on his headphones and went camera one, Push in yes. and camera to hold. And well, he would he would be reluctantly like spraying the shoes 
Like, and Rody would be like, we really need you. And he's like, no, I'm too old for that shit. And then like, Rody's one like, more Fine, mission. Uncle, Uncle Franklin. Yeah. Then, he, then, you know, at some point in time, he taps her and he's wearing his, his headset to be able to do it. Like, move aside, Wody. I'm here to do this. Yes. See? All right. So the book would be immensely improved by Uncle Franklin's uh, presence. Yeah. Um, all right. So, you know, yeah, he sacrifices himself. It's yeah, basically he pulls the pin on a grenade and right and. I don't know. I could, yeah, again, and, the action is so when he's he, throwing out those acronyms and things, I can't picture anything. Yeah. And he tells Vance to get out of there. Like, you know, like this isn't about you. Like this was just meant to distract you. So my son will be the one to fix this. And sure. Okay. Like that's, that's fine. We all, we know what he's going for, you know, the, the self-sacrifice that has happened in many of these types of movies. But, um, and then he dies and he says, and this is the only thing I hooked on. I screamed. I don't know for how long. (laughs) I just wanted to say, well, well, how many breaths did you take? Let's start there. Was it like 30 refreshes? And then, I don't know, how long can a person scream at one go? Three to six seconds? They're pretty enervating. I don't know. Was it longer than when you were under the uh, Arctic Ocean and saw his his you know body in the uh in the submerged capsule like yeah, when i stopped screaming so this is a this is a new trait of his in these final chapters it's just uh <laughs> long screams or he's refreshing and you know really going from the diaphragm and you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well he, he moves to engage and as he does that the song one vision by queen queued up on my father's old raid the arcade playlist and I, at this point in time i was like oh queued up on the what now <laughs> oh, your father's old raid the arcade playlist. Uh, the only thing that you've ever listened to and that you've mentioned a dozen times uh, as your as your go to music for the thing. I just thought it was funny that he kept saying sometimes he would say the, my raid the arcade playlist and sometimes he would say my father's old raid the arcade playlist. But that's what's going to be what takes him through the thing. And, you know, we never got a moment where he lost the playlist and lost his ability to focus um, as we predicted. Yeah, he didn't. But, that never paid off. I have a, a question that is coming too late, and it might be a dumb question. Is the <laughs> is the term "raid the arcade" just his? That was just the name of the mixtape, or is that something common that I, you know, you would know in the gaming community or what have you? Oh man, I think it just has to be a the Kleinian like war door ear gear rhyme time kind of stuff okay. that he does. I, on I there. was just curious about that. Like, as if I was supposed to be excited to hear it you know play a part in a story or it's just him having made it up so yeah maybe it was from the uh what is it buckner and garcia pac-man fever maybe they have a a line in there about raiding the arcade yeah but you know yeah at the end of the book they have that like sort of mixtape uh um art and stuff so i'm sure that was just meant to be sort of like i think they did that for the uh guardians of the galaxy that was sort of a best-selling album was his uh his, I, I've not seen it, but he had a mixtape that he listens to in there. So I'm sure it was like, oh, Hey, that's like, right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put this on Spotify and people will pass it around, but who cares? Uh, we're near, you have 10 pages left in the book. Yeah. And uh, this is, this is, this is the, the true moment that it's all been building for. And it really, uh, in my mind, it's, it, it it's was amazing. It was worth it. I, <laughs> I was delighted by this chapter, this, uh, <laughs> This made me laugh hard. But before we get out of this, I just have one. Uh, I'm going to nominate a sentence of his for the Ernest Hemingway uh, competition. Okay. <laughs> uh, he's fighting Vance, and um, he says, he killed me again. He was really good, almost as good as my father, but not quite. 
<laughs> that's very uh, you know a hard stop on each of those obviously right. so that that's very uh you know nick nick built a campfire the campfire was warm nick enjoyed the warmth it, it just sounded a lot like he should have uh, he should enter that right they're all many individual terrible quips <laughs> right all right so this is it this yeah. is the final chapter <laughs> what a chapter it is it's amazing so yeah 10 pages are left in the book at this point in time and we are gonna a lot of stuff's gonna be tackled yeah he so just to be clear this icebreaker is going towards the moon going towards europa to, yeah it's it's like a you know a doomsday for them right and yes the they're launching this and it's essentially um I, for, I forget what it actually does but yeah this is the um they're convinced him and his father that um they need to shut down this weapon because it's like the ultimate act of war and they think that if they shut this down then the other guys are going to call off this invasion because this has all been a test yeah and this <clears throat> is a, a conspiracy theory and everyone else is using some sort of war propaganda that was another thing he mentioned that the news was uh, as he switched channel to channel, all he saw was propaganda. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, in fairness, they are reporting on these smoldering cities. <laughs> yes, and all of this has happened. Yeah, it's not the you know Iraqi minister of information who's who's telling you patent untruths um, to your face. They are, you know, they were happy that they fought off the aliens, but they were showing the the things that looked like uh, deep impact. But I switched to one channel and they were running a, a spoken word of protocols of the elders of Zion. I mean, it just made, <laughs> made no sense. It wasn't at that point. It's not really propaganda to right. say, but <laughs> they, were, they were running Johnny Cash's ragged old flag poem. Um, to... <laughs> anyway, that's where we are. He's got to stop them from he's got to stop the aggressors, which is the EDA from uh, inciting the destruction of man. Right. And so I think that out, he did stop him. He stopped him at the end of the last chapter. And it was, again, your sort of uh, your Shakespeare uh, Hemingway thing led up to that. But he he had three ships. He broke down uh, Vance's one thing one by one and then blew up the icebreaker, you know, seconds before it was going to detonate or whatever, just in case people aren't reading the book. Yes. Uh, and so the next chapter starts saying that was all it took. In that one moment, it appeared that I had negotiated a ceasefire. The news was already coming in over all of the EDA comlink channels. All around the world, the alien drones and ships had suddenly deactivated, allowing themselves to be easily destroyed. <laughs> so, 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 ah. That, and, yeah. Un, I, how, you have to read it a couple times. Is he really doing this? <laughs> Reports were already coming in. We're actually still in the moment. You know yes. what I mean? It's it's so hard to think of. Wait, they're coming in. Where? What? So seconds after you blew this up, the reports were coming in. <laughs> I re I reread uh, the Stand uh, somewhat recently by Stephen King, and I know you're probably not a fan, but just the the contrast between the super flu hits and he spends. It was a Kindle, so I don't know how many pages. But the the anecdotes is a very interesting part of the book. He just does, you know, a paragraph here or there, maybe a, a page just talking about how these this disease affected people all over the world. You know, someone got you know accidentally locked in their uh, walk in fridge at work. He describes their death. He just has all these various slices of life about how this would have affected, you know, your average Joe's or people like that. 
so the contrast between that and you know that was all it took is <laughs> very is very funny yeah it, it's also it reminds me the flip side of um long of the walking dead walking dead that's what 12 seasons now of <laughs> yes. of that kind of thing like what if let's treat this as a real thing and let's talk about how this impacts human beings on the ground klein's not into that so much he's just gonna <laughs> Right. He, he's pretty uh he's pretty lasered in on just this uh, one kid and uh, everything else <laughs> is quite an afterthought if even an afterthought it doesn't even get a first thought even in his beloved independence day you saw like the uh, the down ships smoking in the in the uh, desert and like you know maasai warriors are like you know running up to him and stuff or or kids in uh kids in asia are like you know throwing rocks at these things so you don't even get a the, the briefest slice of life and this suddenly this thing appears the emissary my favorite right. literary character <laughs> since macbeth or maybe uh yeah uh lady macbeth i don't know this is so fantastic yeah it's very impressive I, there's nothing there's no dancing around because it just sort of appears and he launches into it uh the emissary uh is <laughs> he says starts right off this thing emerges out of the cracked hull of Europa. And he says, uh, upon closer inspection, I saw that the object was actually an icosahedron with 20 symmetrical faceted sides, a 20 sider, as Shin would have said it. So it's another D and D reference, I guess. But I was yeah. curious. And does that explain the change in the book that we had speculated about before? Uh, but the other one went from 12 sided to 10 sided. Well, I just was curious if there's some reason, like why, why the focus on how many sides, <laughs> and how on earth is that something that this guy's zeroing in on at this point in time? I it's it seems like, like something from the Big Bang Theory, like a, a toss off joke. Like, are you kidding I, me? That's an icosahedron, not a whatever. How dare you? You know, why so are imagine, you focusing on the sides of the thing? <laughs> Imagine you're looking at an eight-sided one. Like, I, I guess that might be easier to count. But how are you sure? Have you seen a twenty-sided dice? Like, they're tiny. Like, they're all to to count them would be very. I don't know. Maybe sure. they were. Maybe they were labeled. I don't know. His father's maybe. dead. Yeah, exactly. It does have the 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 one through twenty labeled because it is a dice. Anyway, the emissary appears. That's the description we get. I think it's chrome. He says. But so I was just imagining. I think there was a uh, you know the alternate clippies in Microsoft Office. Yeah, yeah. I think, there, you know, there's like an Einstein, there was like a dog, there was a red ball. I think there was one that was sort of like this, like just sort of an amorphous, amorphous energy shape. So maybe that's where this comes from. But he says that the emissary, <laughs> the emissary quickly explained to me that there were never any extraterrestrial beings on Europa. And I thought that the, uh, you know, the quickly explained was just a, you don't say <laughs> that this, uh, this is happening very quickly. He rushed through it in a way that made me think he had somewhere else to be at that time. <laughs> and you'll never believe this when I went to copy that. that. That's not in the draft. The draft just says, the emissary then explained to me. <laughs> so I guess at some point in time, his editor was like, you know, you got to just, you got to make this clear that like he was in a rush, like, because you were in a rush and we we need this all powerful um, sentient. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, his marginalia notes were probably like, quicken the pace, quicken it. Yeah. And, and Klein <laughs> went back in and said, all right, he quickly so it, explained. It happened quickly. <laughs> it's amazing. It is. So that's the fifth one of those that I've, that I've, that I saw. And those are just the ones I went to copy. Um, so I could do it. So, and so there's no description of this, you know, um, other than the 20 sided thing, I'm stunned that it doesn't have the voice of someone familiar 
you know, Leonard Nimoy or something. That, that, yeah, that is a shocking omission. Because that, <laughs> that is, has to be easy. Why isn't it Patrick Stewart? Why, which reminded right. me, no, not reminded, sounded exactly like yeah. Patrick Orson Stewart. Orson Welles, Word of the Worlds. Yeah, that type of thing. That would make sense. But no, so, but it just sort of lectures to him. It says, I, I, I built the Armada. And this entire time you were fighting against yourselves. Mm-hmm. Which is not not really with the case like I, they weren't doing the uh, they weren't doing the um, you're hitting yourself there was a invasion of millions of drones that destroyed cities and millions of people he calls it an imaginary enemy you knowingly disengage from the cycle of warlike escalation with your imaginary enemy again not necessarily they didn't dose the water and make people think that there were aliens attacking them the guys whose legs were pinned under a cement beam you know as he slowly you know, watch the pictures of his family dance before him was just like, well, I'm glad that it was just we're fighting ourselves and it was an imaginary battle. I right. feel a and lot isn't better. That, isn't that like the ultimate Twilight Zone cliche of like, you know, you, you were unable to do this. Uh, we would have granted you the, all the wisdom, but your your own selfishness was. Oh, um, Twilight Zone. It's like the most embarrassing episode of Star Trek is, right. is a masterwork, is the works of Goethe compared to this. It's just, <laughs> So, um, I, I mean, I've got I've got a lot of things here, but your your test killed millions of innocent people. I said through clenched teeth. Um, so I assume that's like you know you bitter like you jackass, including several of my friends and my father. Then one sentence later, I was nearly sobbing. Now, <laughs> so his teeth have unclenched, presumably to allow him to do the sobbing. My face contorted. I thought <laughs> to myself. <laughs> I watched as my face contorted. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he says uh, he you know emphasizes that it was a test. And uh, we we wanted to gauge your capacity for uh, gauge your capacity for empathy, altruism, and ability to act and negotiate as one collective species, which is not what happened. You know, two guys, one guy really convinced another guy who was not really on board with all aspects of the plan that they needed to go and do this. There was no negotiation as collective species. There was it was no nobody even understands what's happening. He's he's <laughs> the only one. So there's a one right. one eighteen year old kid. Yeah. So yeah, that's a that. He he set the stage for that, but didn't even didn't even have the action leading up to it describe what what they're talking about right here. I thought but then why they, not him in front of a giant monitor? You know, people of Earth, everyone was glued right. to their you know was watching their set. They switched their YouTube channel off right. <laughs> and turned on to me on my Skype channel or whatever. And w- then I told them what was happening. We quickly right. agreed that we should. Right. We voted like in a uh, an American Idol poll, like to do this. Right. But um, so he he tells him that there's a he's part of a he's an emissary for something called the Soldality, and that is a league of eight other planets, civilizations that have banded together to um, help improve each other's lives. That was the sole. Re- it's like a little uh, Kiwanis club or a yeah. uh, Shriners thing. <laughs> Who built says, a, an a intelligent robot that goes and kills millions of a civilization to test them whether or not they can be in the group and right. get access to the reading room? Uh, they have a couple of uh, weight machines. They're a little yeah. old, but they're pretty usable. Over its own timeshare, like <laughs> right. <laughs> but he does. He says there's there's many benefits to membership, sharing of knowledge, medicine, and technology. Your species' longevity and individual quality of life will increase drastically. So that's what he's promising him here um, on behalf of the on behalf of the soldality. That that's all probably like two and a half pages, folks, and because uh, he's about to do some more 
um, negotiating with him. So if you're not reading the book, it sounds like we're probably glossing over a pretty important part. We have devoted way more time. This is the audiobook of this could not have taken longer than our discussion just did. Yeah, the, while reading it, you know, you do the thing where you kind of flip the page forward and go, oh, yeah, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is it. All right. I guess I better focus a little more on this. I was glossing over this. This is it. I, I looked it up. This whole scene probably takes um, about four and two, four and a quarter pages. Um, if I'm generous, a four and a third pages. So I went back and looked that uh, that awful list of um, video games and movies that was in the very first part. That was four four straight pages. So the uh, the uh, presence uh, from another another galaxy offering a thing that will alter the course of mankind is devoted a slightly more than uh, 1977 Star Wars, 1978 Atari's Kaboom. <laughs> Oh, but the emissary at one point, he says, we put the giant swastika on the moon to test you. Like we put a thing of aggression. Mm -hmm. So the, the, emiss the emissary or the sold soldality, how do you pronounce that? Yeah, I think it's soldality. I mean, it's another word like Europa that was hard to not read as European. The soldality, these, this group of just eight civilizations just hanging out, they put a giant swastika on this moon. There's no one actually lives there. And they were just testing them with a, a, an aggressive sign from them. So a false flag from these people <laughs> to start a war. And right. then they start and then they follow through with the war and they murder a bunch of our civilians. And, and he's just having a nice little chat with it, you know, but on the other side of it, you know, you get this and, the, and, and that's just, and he just gets a little angry at it and like, God, ah, this is, but I don't know. We are going to get these, uh, these benefits. Right. Yeah. If they had, yeah. Cause he's doing that because they, they saw the, the symbol of aggression. And so they, they went to, you know, we're going to nuke the place. It would have made a lot more sense if they had put the peace sign on it. And so it's like, Hey, this is a, uh, civilization. If they sent a nuke up there, then it would be like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Like this is not, Hey, like you're escalating this kind of quickly, but it's a uh, it doesn't ring true to uh, to do put up yeah, the the most hate filled symbol in the world and then expect people to be like, I bet they're cool. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to really get along with these guys. Yeah. All they needed was even by his stupid logic, just the, the monolith, you know. Wow. There's a right. civil, something put this here. Obviously, this is the work of an intelligent being. Now, what do how do we react to it? Right. But instead, you know, up, a giant middle finger and, a you know, sticking yeah. out your tongue. <laughs> put up, a, you know, the, the winky emoji to sort of be coy about it. Or, yeah, put up a uh, put up Mount Rushmore. But it's like of there's four uh, carrot tops on it and be like, whoa, what does this mean? Like, what? How do we puzzle this? Like, I guess we got to get to know these guys. They're into some weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I don't yeah. have much more about the uh, the emissary, but well, no, this is this is going to surprise you. So this was a very uh, brief sort of sequence, but they they do spend. I I, I went behind your back. Oh, oh I got to admit this. I went behind your back. I uh, oh Connor, I, I Connor, got, how I many got, podcasts have we done together? <laughs> I got Lex to hack into your uh, Gmail, and I found your um, your your dark web links, who have been sending you these scenes, and I was worried that you were going to sort of chicken out and not not keep going back to them. Um, so I tracked him down and I got him to, uh, to leak me a, a scene of this, the climactic scene of the Armada movie. You, you went behind my back to my people who are mm -hmm. making the Armada movie yes, and you took your own leaked scene. 
I, it sounds weird to say it out loud like that, but that is exactly what happened. That's how I spent my free time um, last Saturday. Went behind it's, my back and did this and stole something <laughs> from me. I'm behind me. your back. I'm behind your back leaking scenes. Good job, Connor. <laughs> that was my uh, bad yeah. cop bad cop thing. Okay, wow. Well, I'm excited. We have a leak scene that uh, that I have not heard. A little yeah. upset that I'm not in the loop. But um, leak scenes to me are gold. I love it because I think, again, we could reconstruct the movie and have a side business selling it before it actually comes out. So, um, well, let's let's run it. I am the Emissary. I am an intelligent machine created by a galactic community of peaceful civilizations known as the Sodality. So the entire time, it was just you? It was all a test? Affirmative. We needed you to prove your worthiness, and you did. Your actions, Zack Lightman, show that Earthlings are capable of transcendent selflessness. Say, how's your mom doing? But you killed millions of people. Huh, wait, my mom? Word around the galactic hive mind is that she's insanely hot, and according to Clybernian Three of the Omega province, uh, newly single? Well... <laughs> Yeah, my dad died about an hour ago. I don't think she's back on the market yet. Yeah, well, no, 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 right. Of course, of course. Yeah, okay. Well, So, is the uh, Omega province you just mentioned, they're in the Soldality? Omega? Oh, yeah, yeah, they're in there. I mean, sure, they're cool, but... Listen, when your mom was dating, she'd go out dancing with her friends, right? Would you get all dressed up? Yeah, but she never, like, really had anything long-term going on. Yeah, was she the type that would, you know, I don't know, wear sexy underwear? You know, just just in case. Oh, what the, What does this have to do with the solidarity? Please, it's solidarity. Show some respect. You're still a probationary member. Uh, sorry, sorry. So, yeah, there's eight other civilizations. You'd be the ninth. After the probationary period, of course, you'd... You ever go to do the laundry... And your insanely hot mom's clothes are still in the dryer, and when you go to move her stuff into the hamper, you don't happen to get a glimpse of any sexy underwear or anything. Mr. Emissary! These are normal soldality joining questions. We ask them of every new planet. Uh, really, really. So you asked Clybernian Three of the Omega Province uh, if he had an insanely hot mom and if he ever saw her underwear when he did laundry. Uh, yes. Well, did he? That's none of your business, probationary member. Uh, you ever walk in on her in the shower? Okay, now this is insulting. What, yes or no? There's no judgment. Well, well, then of course, yes. During the 18 years we shared a small house together, that probably happened once or twice by accident. Sure, yeah, I get it. Accident. Hey, hey, what's up with the long fingers? It sort of uh, got slipped in at the end there. It's, I don't know, it seems like a potential deal breaker. Um, one, two, three, four. Wait, wait, what, what are you doing? Uh, I'm counting your sides, man. Seven, eight, nine. Hey, that's very annoying. Please stop. Ten. Okay, well, I'll stop when you stop asking questions about my mom. Oh, yeah? Well, uh, whoa, hey, ho, ha, hoo, hey, ah, hey. Yeah, how do you like that? 
Come on, stop spinning. You, you made me lose count. <laughs> Dick. Look, Zack, to prove there's no hard feelings, I have 20 sides. Oh, okay. Uh, an icosahedron. Nice. Speaking of 20, I hear your smoke show mom still looks like she's in her 20s. Ba-boom! Oh. You know what, man? Screw your cancer cures. I'm leaving. Wait, 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 Zach. What's the yoga pants situation? Does she work out in, like, just a sports bra? Oh, damn. Well, may as well send Clyburnian 3's mom a QCOM pick of my 17th side. <laughs> That's the dong side. Wow. That, yeah. <laughs> that is exactly how I pictured the Emissary's voice. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, Who needs Leonard Nimoy? He's, uh... Sounds cooler and, uh, a, you know, has a bit different interests in this in this reconstruction. But who can I, blame him, really? No, I mean, I, I actually think that's a more satisfying explanation than is actually in the book. I'm glad they expounded upon that and, and sort of expanded the universe a little bit. <laughs> um, this this oh, yeah, sign made me laugh so hard is the, the emissary in the short description of everything that was going on says... Uh, he says, "I it flew away or whatever. I never saw it again. And I just, <laughs> I had a line. I wished he'd added, well, it's not entirely true. Uh, once many years later, I was at an Applebee's in Ohio killing time <laughs> before my cousin's funeral when who walks in with three other the emissaries but the emissary. Son of a bitch pretended not to even see me. And I was right up front at the bar. But that's the the second time I saw the emissary. Right, they just they do the eye contact thing, but then look away and just sort of pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah. He, dr he drinks a few margs and tries to work up the nerve, but the emissary is already gone by the time he goes over there. If his next book, I swear this to all listeners, if his next book is The Emissary, <laughs> I will read it happily, and uh, my podcast will be a complete celebration of the book. And I will, <laughs> there will be no critiques whatsoever. So, so, but the, he the. When the, the offer is presented to join the sodality, Zach says, I didn't spend a whole lot of time thinking it over. I just went ahead and said yes. And again, you don't say. You didn't take a lot of time. Didn't take a lot of time on anything else. The emissary was in a rush, remember? He had to quickly <laughs> give the explanation. I got someplace to be. There's eight other places I can hang out. I don't need to be right. here. <laughs> the guys on Rybercon are really, uh, I don't know, they're, they're, they drew a line down the middle of their whole planet and they're not letting the guys from Rybercon B come over to Rybercon C, so it's, I don't know, it's... Plus, we're all going to, uh, we're doing a cosplay thing, and we are going to a convention tonight. Who am I <laughs> going to dress as? <laughs> but then, so they, uh, he says, as soon as, uh, so that was the um, second wave, but as soon as the third wave shows up, because they were still on their way, I guess, uh, since they had accepted uh, membership, probationary membership in, uh, in the sodality, the ships landed and began to help rebuild humanity. Helped humanity rebuild its civilization, as well as the planet's fragile environment. The alien drones also began to dispense miraculous life-giving medicine and technology, along with an endless supply of clean, abundant energy. It seemed like they gave humanity everything it had ever wanted. <laughs> I just had one question. Did they rebuild Portland? Or did the did the population refuse because they wanted to keep Portland weird and and burnt out and filled with stinking rotting corpses of the dead? We're good. We're good. <laughs> Coming in Cut here down the with line your at voodoo donuts. I... Yeah, that new building, man. It's not as good as the one that was there before. Forget it. 
So yeah, uh, just, you know, wave a hand, environment fixed, uh, miraculous life-giving medicine and endless supply of clean, abundant energy, one sentence. Doubling down, it gave humanity everything it had ever wanted. I mean, it's really, it. we've said it before, but if you were in third grade and you wrote a story that was uh, 20 sentences long, that's how it would end. Yeah, this they all lived happily ever after. This is a, a Deus ex machina on the on a level which has has never been seen before. Yes, it really is. Every question you ever had and every everything that doesn't work, I am wiping it away with my hand <laughs> with this one paragraph. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you think he was building to that the whole time, or do you think he just wrote himself into a corner and and like we've joked about, was like, well, this is how it's going to be. Like, I got places to be. Yeah, I, I honestly think it would just had to have been a rush, even, even for him, because he would have he would have spent some time dwelling on how Europans or the I'm sorry, the emissary, the soldality uh, built up a bunch of new arcades. They had better rigs than I'd ever seen before. <laughs> right. Every rig was free and it had no right. lag in it whatsoever. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, he, he of course, corn chips were abundant. <laughs> yeah. He would have loved that dry cereal free and just, uh, you know, there was some machine that just made it that right. created it the out of nothing. Soldality finally did the thing where they released Lucky Charms. It was all marshmallows. <laughs> it was all worth it. Uh, I have a um, note here that and my mom thought it was just as hysterical as I did when they decided to rename the gym I destroyed at my high school after me. <laughs> They they thought that was really funny that they uh, <laughs> they're still yucking it up over <laughs> right yeah that so that's in the epilogue I, I thought that they might have stolen his idea from Milo that was his dying words but then I was also like what this is the worst honor you could imagine I was like I would like to see a show of hands from everyone who listens like who knows who their high school gym is named after if that's even a thing. I mean, I, I suppose it is. I, you know, people make fun of whoever something is named after when you no longer have any idea who that person is. You just call right. it something else. And Right, exactly. Let's go to the gym. No one's ever referenced the uh, full name of their high school gym. But yeah, the epilogue has some, uh, they do a funeral. His Admiral Vance speaks at the funeral because he says he was a good man. Like, and I guess, sure, right? doesn't doesn't have much of an impact uh, at this point in time. He also meets with Notcher. The uh, guy who had been flicking the uh, dripping spit flex at the uh, nerd in the very first scene. Yeah, um, I did not get a sense. How long after was this? Does he do any time? Because he, he said think, he, he well, changed think, a lot. And I think this is exactly a year because um, there's like a memorial to his dad. Um, and he has a he has a three month old baby brother when they had boned like teenagers. Um, his mom got pregnant. So, yeah, I think it's a, 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 exactly a year. What's but, uh, the uh, what's the baby's name? I forgot. I didn't write it down. He he says this is a, this is pretty incredible. My three month old baby brother, little Xavier Ulysses Lightman Jr., the kid whose name ensured he would never have to pay for a drink as long as he lived. <laughs> I just thought something that I, a nineteen year old, find myself thinking about infants very often. Um, oh, that kid, lucky him! Like <laughs> walking into VFWs and having people buy his Bud Lights for the rest of his life. Uh, yeah, he's got a basket of pull tabs. He's you know, a huge <laughs> pot belly. I didn't buy a single one of these. Uh, this is pretty awesome. We now had a cure. Oh, his mom had to find a new job for the best reason possible. We now had a cure for all forms of cancer, which had eradicated the disease in a matter of weeks and most other diseases, too. <laughs> so <laughs> one, he yada, yada, yada's curing cancer, uh, which, like I said, that could be a book. 
um, in itself, the alien showing up and, you know, the implications that would have. And then two, <laughs> the sodality like left the mumps rampant, like most other diseases. <laughs> you know, like they're, they're going to let feline leukemia run, run, run around still. Like <laughs> what the hell guys? Uh, toenail fungus. Can I get a little yeah. love over here? Listen, we were skeeved out by that. We don't need to, we don't need to get down there. You guys are on your own. <laughs> Oh, but uh, I think he brings up the clean energy one more time. Clean and abundant oh. energy is clearly a, a something in his head that he thinks a lot about. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, you start to ask questions. If people aren't going to be dying of cancer or diseases, you're probably going to, I guess you did reduce the population by substantial amounts, but you're going to have to figure out how they're all going to live happily if the overpopulation might be suddenly a concern. But I guess clean and abundant energy, that takes care of it. Um, now here's... During every reading of this book, I genuinely, because, you know, it takes a while and I sometimes will have a coffee or something while I'm doing it. This was a genuine near spit take on this one. <laughs> when he's, when Notcher, when Stoser is there, he says, I wonder if he'd heard about Casey, the boy he'd bullied mercilessly throughout most of high school. He died during the first wave along with his whole family <laughs> and millions of others. <laughs> I wonder if he uh, heard about. Did you did you hear about the? Um, remember when the millions of millions and millions of people died in that huge invasion? Do you remember that? Right. You'd be surprised to learn that Casey was among them. <laughs> oh man! Remember when our parents died? <laughs> yes. But yeah, so Notcher has a uh, you know all three of three of his limbs have been replaced. So I, I'm sure that any veteran with an actual purple heart is 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 impressed by that. That's a it's a good way to. Uh, to steal that valor um, by having this dipshit show up and all of a sudden be a half cyborg. And then uh, he ends it. If you're if you are sitting down, folks, you, you please sit down. He ends he ends the book um, by sort of sort of quoting Yoda. He uh, I read this and I was like, well, I'm not surprised that he's doing this. But in a book filled with direct paraphrasing and quoting of, of garbage, uh, he, he does a weird uh he sort of interpolates Yoda's advice because I didn't recognize this quote. I went on Yoda quote sites and stuff, but he says, I was going to follow Yoda's timeless advice to keep my mind on where I was and what I was doing and to do everything I could to protect what was now most important to me. And I get, and I, I went on Twitter and someone told me that the quote is all his life. He has looked away to the future, the horizon, never his mind on where he was, hmm, what he was doing. So he, I, so I, he's, I was, he's para, he's afraid to quote that he's, I am not sure what happened. Para quoting him or interpreting uh, him. Yeah, I guess he, it, or it's a wink just to be like the, the true fans will get this one. But it was a very strange, I was like, is this a weird interpretation of the famous Yoda quotes? But I don't know. It was a, it, it sort of in a, in a dashed off last, uh, last few chapters. That one struck me as a, as a very strange way to end it on. Yeah, because we can't give him the credit of, you thought my final thing would be some shitty quote from some garbage. Well, guess what? I'm twisting everything around on you. I'm not giving him credit for that. <laughs> Here was oh. my, final, my final note on it was, um, he says, I wasn't interested in helping either the asshole aliens who devised such a horrible test and murdered my father, or the human powers that be who had lied to all of humanity for decades and nearly brought us to extinction. And I just thought, this is where the book should start, <laughs> where you are talking about what happens after this bizarre world-altering thing. Now, where do we go from here? 
what uh, you know, there was a, a secret organization that you know colluded with these aliens, but the you know that's the only interesting thing is now what happens, right? But that is, of course, closed out with a fake Yoda quote instead. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so he he says he doesn't want to help him, and then the next page he decides to to join the as the as an ambassador or whatever. But yeah, when he asks for details about the uh, stuff, the emissary just says like, "Well, you're not ready for that type of thing." So that obviously he didn't want to have to think about any of those details, which, like you said, would be the interesting part. Yeah, I mean, he just uh, screeched it off the side of the road, rammed it into a tree, and. Uh, you know, started hitchhiking away before the uh, engine could burst into flames, I guess, on this uh, on this final thing. Dusted yeah. his hands. And the, that was it. The reader is uh, going to his own car and getting the fire extinguisher and trying to put <laughs> it out before he knows what's happening. <laughs> Dude, hey, yeah. where'd the no, author no, no. go? <laughs> Don't worry about that. It's insured. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so that's how it ends. But I've got a uh, I've got some sentences. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends with a period. Oh, it's going to be sad to see that go. Hey, I'm going to make it my ringtone just so I can hear it you know, more frequently. <laughs> the one time a month I get a spam caller. Uh, it is good. Um, well, yeah, boring sentence. I've got, uh, you know, this, this was so fast-paced that there wasn't a lot of time to get boring. I mean, it, obviously there was a lot of node and internet talk, but my nominee was... Uh, something Cruz said, which is when he meets him um, back in his bedroom and falls out of his chair. He says, and since we're two of the highest ranking drone drivers in the greater Beaverton area, we got first dibs on local drone access. <laughs> so that's, that's something that he's you know saying with enthusiasm in his voice. But highest ranking drone drivers, greater Beaverton area, first dibs on local drone access is something that... Oh, and again, the action is supposed to be racing forward with exactly. breakneck speed. Uh-huh. The sirens outside. Was that Smoke. your? I, I was. Uh, I didn't quite hear. Was that boring or dumb? Boring. 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 Okay, I've I'll got offer, a better dump. I'll offer my boring sentence of the week then. Um, it's again. It can't, as you said, it can't quite live up to the. We had much more meat in the earlier chapters, but this one did strike me as we're trying to go drive this action forward. I watched as the device dialed five different numbers all at once and then connected all of them simultaneously. Then my QCOM switched into conference mode and my display screen was divided into five separate windows, each okay. containing five <laughs> live video of a different person, each of whom appeared to be in a separate location. <laughs> so so while we're getting to the breakneck action, an explanation of how conference calls work. Yeah. Very, very detailed. <laughs> oh, and they wow. were each in a different location. So that was a good... Because when you're calling five different numbers, you expect that at least two of the parties will be standing right next to each other. Right. DeGrasse Tyson had showed up to uh, help Hawking open a jar of peanut butter or something. So they were in the same location. But (laughs) Uh, Um, well, my dumb sentence of the week, I appreciated this one. They're talking about uh, the final defense line or whatever. Debbie was back home in Duluth controlling her drone from her own living room while her three sons continued to stand guard outside their home by controlling EDA drones with an Xbox, a laptop, and a touchscreen tablet, respectively. And so, one, there's no respectively because she hasn't been like... No, it's not. Huey, Dewey, and Louie were controlling them with the Xbox, laptop, and touchscreen tablet, respectively. 
Um, and so you can picture that Huey is using the Xbox and Louie has the touchscreen. But it was just like, I imagine them being like, Debbie, please, we, we do not need these details at the moment about how your three sons are specifically the interfaces they're using. We, we, please, Debbie, <laughs> let it, we, we need to move on. What? No. Louie is up, upgrading the tablet's firmware now. We do not need to know that. It'll just be a moment. <laughs> and I'll tell you what Huey is doing. Yes. Wait, is it an Xbox One or an Xbox 360? Huey, is it an Xbox? X, it's a PlayStation? Okay, well, I don't know. The, I don't know the difference between those things, but you know, you get the idea. Uh, I appreciate it as the war begins to rage. That is delightful. <laughs> Mine is going to be, I know it's going to be controversial. I stand by it, wow. though. Uh, because he says at some point during the action, he says, I checked the time. It was still running out. <laughs> now, uh, now I'm taking it on its face that this is just dumb Klein that, mm-hmm. you know, time of course does nothing but run out. And so he checked the time. I think people will say, Oh, come on. Can't you even give him credit for doing you know, joke. So, suddenly he's doing a, um, you know, hard-boiled detective joke. Like, no, nah, okay. I, I can't give him that credit because there's been nothing like it before. And it just sits starkly in the middle of things. So uh, I think that he just, in his rush, that's what he typed. Um, I mean, you know, come on. There's no craft or anything anywhere else in the book. So Right. When that, those, that's similar to the, uh, I had only known the bridled kind of joy um, earlier. When those, when those do uh, rear their head, it's like a... It's like a nails on the chalkboard. Um, yeah, but so... at this point, his his uh, feet aren't up on his desk, in, you know, in his shabby office in a uh, in a corner, and you know, his hat is tipped down, and he's doing a he's halfway through a bottle of whiskey, and right, the yeah. dame walks in, and then I checked my watch; time was still running out. You know, nothing yeah. like that is happening. So anyway, I'm not giving him credit, and I'm calling that <laughs> the dumb sentence of the week. Have <laughs> I at accept me. it? Yeah, right. I accept it. That's it for we, everything. We made it through. I wrote down a gigantic uh, 32 point font UGG at the last sentence. Um, and <laughs> it's time to move on. What are you going to read next? You mean as a real thing? Yeah. Oh, uh, what am I in the middle of? I always have four books going at the same time. So I'm constantly reading uh, the works of G.K. Chesterton. So I have that to read. Uh, there's an assignment coming up for that. So I, I will Thanks. dig into that. How about I'm going to read you God's autobiography from the Wu Tang Clan. I I don't know this person. It's a, he's the he's like the eighth uh, best member of the Wu Tang Clan, and so he's the one that opted to, to pen a tell all. And it, uh, is the Wu Tang Clan are they a soldality? Uh, yes, they pretty they're the same number of members in the soldality as the Wu Tang yeah, Clan. A, Hope, yeah. Wow, huh? I'll ask him about that on Twitter. You <laughs> <laughs> God, hey, have you read Armada? No. It's proving to be more. I've read like a ten pages. It's proving to be more entertaining already, based on his anecdotes. And you, God, is that like a reference to? Is he a god? Is he a twenty-sided uh, spherical god? I think so. He is an emissary of uh, of truth. Yeah, he explained that. I already forgot. <laughs> I might not finish this book, <laughs> but it's entertaining. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. All it's right. About, well, you know, the created art that I enjoy. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. Then uh, we will, I assume, see everyone who is listening in Minneapolis on April 11th. Yeah, get your tickets now. They're going quick. There's like less than a third of them available. Don't expect to show up and and talk your way in on the day of. 
And Sisyphus Brewing has, uh, they have good beer. I like their beer. They have, sh- I will say they have shuffleboard tables in their, their bar area. But uh, Connor and I are shuffleboard near professionals. I'd say, <laughs> I'd say high ranking um, pro-ams. Yeah, well, if we play, we're playing a horse collar. We're not playing the clack your opponents off. Yeah, we no, play no, a no, much no. more advanced uh, three-dimensional version. So if you come, that's what we're doing. I don't want to hear any uh, talk otherwise about it. Cause... Yeah, that's garbage. Don't even bring that stuff. But the the uh, tables themselves, though long, are ill-kept. Uh, yeah, and the and the wax on it is you know <laughs> four hundred years old, and you have to shove as hard as you can to get the pucks down there. So, but still, you, I think Connor and I can take anyone on who. I'll uh, tell you what people love. They, they love they love when you show up at the shuffleboard table, um, try to introduce a game they've never heard of, complain when they don't want to play it, and then blame your poor performance on the uh, on the on the maintenance of the uh, of the shuffleboard table. <laughs> which most people, that's all they've ever played on, because that's what bars do. They haven't had one in their office that's like been you know impeccably wiped down at the end of every day <laughs> yes that's uh just again behind the scenes at our office in san diego we have a uh, shuffleboard table pro quality that we would <laughs> replace the wax possibly every two hours if things were you know to to changing conditions and all of that and everyone in our office became i would say a world-class shuffleboard player <laughs> it was an impressive stretch of time uh, so anyway, that's a yeah. little bonus that you can do if you come on uh, to Sisyphus on April 11th. April 11th. Otherwise, Please. we will see you, there. see you soon. Maybe we'll do another book in the future. Maybe not. Yeah. Who knows? This has been- Send us some suggestions, but we'll talk to you then. It's been 372 pages. We'll never get back. <laughs>